Faltegrian Podkrela Korale Tomas A kind sport led in a sport tool A goal led Benetti I remember saying to him This is some trip Sean Murray This is unbelievable He says It's not a trip Muggsy it's, it's a tour And I was like No but you know what I mean He says no I don't Proud there again D&G Or there again D&G Dalsin Cabana yeah, to 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 LNG anyway, Larry and Galvin anyway. That's the, that's the brand name anyway. You're very welcome, folks. Uh, this is the last episode of the series Coral at Moss, episode number seven. And we said we'd finish with a bang. We go out on top. And delighted to have James McCartan. Just before we went live there, he said as long as we talk about Kerry and down matches, there'll be no problems whatsoever. So I'll tell you that I'll be trying to avoid that, James. How's things with you? How's lockdown? How's how's life? Oh, lockdown's not too bad. Just trying to get up in the morning and figure out how to entertain three young boys that want to spend their day on PlayStation 4 and don't want to go. We had no problem socially isolating here at all because we wouldn't come out of their rooms. <laughs> I'm the same. It's tough, like. And, and I suppose once they got into the routine of things, they were actually... I know you're in a different situation now and Paul Sean Kavanagh got in trouble for, for mentioning the... the up in the UK or whatever, but it is different rules. Even to know, James, like even going to matches, there's awful trouble down here. The fact that 200 people can only go to a game, whereas you're 500 up there. Did you notice any difference or was you just all being sensible and doing the right thing? Whatever advice. Well, look, the area that is up here, just on a Friday afternoon, the, the made a rule that 400 were allowed into the games. And see if they hadn't made the rule that 400 would be allowed in. There'd have been 600 at it, but there was only 200 at it because they were allowed in. You're allowed to have force. They stop going. They just start going to games because they weren't allowed. And your your young fellas are back playing football. They're back training. They're back everything. Yeah, yeah, they're all back. They do they're doing all the COVID very important stuff. Just before you enter the field, you clean the hands, then you put your gloves on. Doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> and then what doesn't make sense to me is I'm a teacher, and we are not allowed to have a game even of soccer at school yet they can go and beat the shit out of each other in training that evening in football or, or rugby or whatever like it's going to be funny yeah. times are you involved in any team James yourself at the moment or you were involved with the minors right? down minors uh, but we're not allowed to do anything until the 14th of September I think it is so look that's a long way off as the club takes priority so we are starting to play uh, club championship in a couple of weeks here at minor level so we just keep a close eye on that so we've no contact with the lads really at all we did a bit of a a Zoom meeting with the, the managers and sort of try to give them a bit of education on return to play and how, you know, not to injure players. The, round, the boys had been doing bright at the training for two months and you're afraid, of course, that they're going to come back and be expected to go back into the same level of training. So, look, we try to do a wee bit of uh, you know, information for all, for all the managers with a couple of Zoom calls, meetings with, with the players. But be honest, we've left their their the clubs are looking after them now, so we've left them to the clubs. Yeah, I'm in, in involved with a minor team here in Cork, and it's the same. Like you have your there's a dual issue down here, and I'm only kind of being introduced to it this year, really. In that, I, I Cork would be Christ, they have an issue there with hurling and football, but you do the clubs have we've three or four lads who are playing minor and are involved this year. And sure, all you can do is, uh, I know that the management of the Cork lads, are, all they can actually do is go around and watch the matches that are happening, watch the championship matches. Uh, so you, you, you're under the same rules and guidelines as the seniors. What do you think of that, James? you think, Jesus, like, uh, would you think that there would be an issue with ye? Like, and I would be pro-club. I think, well, since I finished up county, I would be, I'd see the difficulties that clubs have. But I also don't see an issue with an inter-county team getting together once a week, right now, like? Well, look, just as long, I, I don't mind either way. If, if, if we don't get access to the players, and we still have five or six weeks before championship, I'm fine with that, as long as every other county is sticking to the same, same rules. Like, I can tell you now of senior inter-county teams that I know that are, that are training, and, and uh, so, so, like, it's frustrating if, if you were Paddy Talley, the down senior manager, and you were hearing that... Uh, you know, that such another county that they were due to play in the Ulster Championship were training away, you certainly would be frustrated by that. So look, just as long as it's one rule, I'm sure it's the same rule for everyone that nobody's... And if, it's, if they're allowed to meet up one night a week, that's fine. If they're not allowed to wake up until the 14th of September, just ensure everybody's doing the same thing is the way I would look at it. You're basically, it at the level you're, you're basically saying there that the, the teams up the north are, are 
training behind closed doors? No, I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> not all of them. I know Down certainly are. Anyway, I can only speak for for Down, and I know that they are certainly not doing anything at all. They were sent home with GPSs or whatever, and uh, they're doing stuff remotely or whatever. But look, there's they're playing a club game once a week, and they're training two or three times with the club. If you were to start to load up another session, you're probably going to you're asking for injury problems. So look. Yeah, would you be worried for their fitness? Would you worry that some clubs are doing more than others and that certain clubs would have them in better shape than other clubs and certain lads mightn't be in the condition that you want? Well, from our point of view, we would have certain boys at clubs who don't even have minor teams. Now, they usually try and join up, amalgamate with another team or something like that. If there's somebody gets knocked out very early in the championship and uh, that's four or five weeks before we are due to join up. I can see a problem there. I think that once a player is out of the championship, you, you, we should be able to take them under your wing to ensure that they're getting some sort of training. Because to, to have no training, if you're knocked out of the first round of the championship and then it's five or six weeks before you're due to meet up with your county team, it's five or six weeks with no training. You know, I, I think I can see an issue there. Yeah, yeah. Do you, how, does the, how does the minor team compare to the senior team, James? Is it less pressure or are you enjoying it? Less shy Look, to be mind. honest... Uh, <laughs> I'm maybe a bit of a figurehead as such. I've, I've, I've a lot of good people around me, Mark. Over the years, miners have had Ambrose Rogers, Mark Poland, Stevie Putcher, and to be honest, I let them guys get on with most of the work the same as it did at senior level. I tried to surround myself with good people and I sort of tongue in cheek with a said, if I have everybody in the right place, I don't need to be there. And uh, so <laughs> you can slip off whenever you need to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember when you had. Um... And I've seen I've come across Tally in in um, uh, at Sigerson level, and he's outstanding. The way he can organise a team, and he was involved with you at senior level. Do you think the role of a coach now? And I know back in in the day when we were training, like I don't know about you, but ev the manager did everything, everything. But it's so brilliant when you have everybody actually the selectors. You picked four selectors now, and they are hands-on involved, and it's so easier. You're still you're still guiding everything, and then it'll be your You'll be your fingerprints all over it, but the role of the coach is huge, Look, no, James. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, as a manager, I probably see my input as you know very, very small. You're hoping that it's a very important input, you're hoping that three, four, five percent in the dressing room or in a wee bit of video analysis. Like, whenever you have these quality people around you, Paddy Tally, Brad McGaver, uh, Nal Moyne, all these people. You let them get on with it, and you don't bring them in to tell them how to do their job. And they're far more qualified than I am. It's 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 my job to try and guide them, or or sometimes I think the job of a manager is to take all the ideas of all the selectors at the top, put them in the big, get the best idea, come out of the bottom, and then claim that you came up with yourself. <laughs> Pretend it was your idea. <laughs> That's right. I never looked at it like that, but when it goes pear-shaped, that's the problem, is when it goes pear-shaped. Oh, well, any other, you can blame them, all right. Yeah. I was looking through it, James. I know your own family, and I love, I love the history of Kerry G. I love the history. I love counties that, that have huge tradition, leave huge tradition, but your own family, Jesus, like your own dad, James, uh, your uncle Dan, like... Back in the 60s, every All-Ireland won by down, you've been involved on some level. And even when they finished up, they went on to, to manage down. They went on to be involved at county board level. They went on. You're absolutely seeped in it. What's your memories of, of say, I, I presume, I don't know how it was for you growing up, but you had an appreciation of what down football was about um, and the history and the tradition of those 60s teams, did you? Yeah, look, the tradition was always there, obviously. Uh, the only successes before the before the nineties were, were the sixties. So that's those boys were obviously held up as heroes. Still, still are. And yes, the, the, the tradition followed us around. And to be honest, during the for a long time, it was maybe seen as a, a heavy thing to carry because the teams of the you know seventies and eighties maybe didn't reach the the level of the, of the sixties. And certainly coming into the early nineties, you know, it seemed a lifetime away. You know, winning all Ireland and these people were 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 following us around in the early 90s, in the late 80s, early 90s, they were, you know, they were, it was a chore to hear about them after a while because we couldn't replicate it, but uh, obviously after a while we managed to, to make our own wee bit of tradition. 
did you did you feel under pressure because of your name? Did you feel like your your dad won won? Did he win two Texaco footballers of the year in a row? Yeah, he won it in sixty and, and sixty one. I think I'm not sure. I think maybe Jacko was done the same, has he? Yeah, Jacko. I think Jacko won. I don't not in a row like, but I think he won four or something like that like. But uh, did you feel pressure like? Did you feel you struck me? The one thing that stands out above all the skills and all the everything was you. Jesus, you had a confidence. Like we 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 describe a footballer like that down our way as a Tony a Tony player, a guy with an attitude that you wouldn't be afraid of anything. So you had this kind of a confidence, I would say, right? I'm not describing you as a towny footballer. Sometimes it can be a compliment, sometimes it can be an insult, but I mean it as a compliment, right? But you had a confidence. Did you feel any pressure at all as a young fella coming up? Not not when I was young, and I certainly had nerves, uh, but I didn't have a confidence problem. But certainly later in my career, when I, in the late 20s and when you're finishing up, like... Uh, the confidence, you know, with, 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 I was used to getting beat a lot more in the latter part of my career. In the early part of my career, I probably was used to winning all up through St. Coleman's, uh, and then to St. Coleman's College in Newry, and then on uh, to Queen's University in Belfast with a couple of Sigersons, and then obviously down in the early 90s. And then after 94, to be honest, it all went pear-shaped. Uh, there wasn't much success. There was, you know, a couple of Ulster finals, a couple of heavy beatings. So later, you know, Whenever I was young, I was, you know, felt it was indestructible. But uh, I soon learned that that certainly was the case. Everything went right for me in the early part of my career with Hogan Cups and uh, Ryan Cups and, and Sigersons and All Ireland Miners and uh, Seniors, and then trips to Australia with with, with Ireland Compromise Rule Team, and then All Star trips and all these things. So it's the early part of your career, it, it was fantastic. Unfortunately, I could have retired when I was 23 because what I accomplished after that was, was very little. I was going to say, but even everything, like the minor, you were, you were on about um, Coleman's and the McCrory Cup, and it's taken huge in Ulster. I know in, in Kerry now, uh, I think it's, it's, I don't know, is it the fact that the hurling, the hearty is huge in Munster as well, and the football and the hurling take equal status. But up north, the McCrory Cup is absolutely massive. I, I saw footage. I, I was in last year, the year before, of a final that you were in. Uh, you were playing full forward, and the crowd was absolutely huge. But that was a first taste. And you always had this thing of you were playing very at a younger age than actually the age limit was. Like you played minor at, at 16 with Down, didn't you, when you win it? Yeah, we, we won the minors in '87, uh, and I was 16. Yeah, I played the previous year as well. Minors, we won the Ulster Championship at 15. That was the times when you were allowed to play three minor years in a, in a, in a row, or whatever. You're not allowed to do that anymore. So it's all changed now. I I I was just asking about about uh, Pete McGrath and Pete inside in 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 Coleman's, and he was the manager at the time. That was the first time you came across. Did you realise at the time how big an impact he'd have? on your career going forward? You probably hadn't a clue. Look, every team that I played on for Down or St. Coleman's from oh, 1986, from 1986 to Pete finished in um, 2001 or two with Down, I, I was with him for every one of those years. So look, uh, we had our moments, we didn't agree on, on everything, but look, uh, uh, there's one thing he had, Pete McGrath wouldn't have asked you to do anything that he wouldn't do himself, both on and off the field. Anything he would make huge physical demands and huge commitment of nights of week that you needed. But he, as I say, he wouldn't ask you to do anything. He would be the first man up the mountain. He'd be the first man doing the laps. He'd be first man to the trail and the last last man home locking the gates. Usually about midnight, if he was having one of his famous team talks, because Pete now didn't didn't you knew he didn't have a wife to go home to because he never he didn't go home too early. <laughs> you wouldn't. I, I tell you what, I, that was one part of it. Is that something you'd be conscious? I came to the end of my career in 2013, and the one thing that used to crack me up at the end were the team meetings and the amount of time that actually had to go into it, James. And I suppose you saw it from both sides. You saw it back then and before technology and before all this kind of extra stuff that teams do nowadays. Did you find it hard then getting in as manager, or did you let the boys just say, look, this has to be done, we have to have a meeting on this, we have to have... Do you find that strange? Do you find it hard as a player to put up those meetings and then as a manager, did you say, fuck it, they don't need it that much? Well, I, I felt as manager of the Down team that it was my job to make it as easy as possible to play for Down. We trained in the Abbey School in, in, in Newry 
and the gates were locked every night at a quarter to nine. We were gone by a quarter to nine. We start. I didn't want anybody going home from work to sit in the house, not able to eat their dinner and come out to train. I want them coming straight from work and we would try and start training at 6.30. And uh, be, so then anybody that had a girlfriend or something else to do from nine o'clock on, you know, they had a chance to have a life. So I felt it was our job to make it as easy and as accessible to play for your county as possible. Obviously, while making huge demands while they were there, but trying to restrict the amount of time. Like Pete was over the minors one year whenever we were, we both trained in the same place one night and the, the poor kids didn't get home to half 11 and our boys were away two hours earlier, but it just was a different outlook. That was the Pete way Pete worked and I tried to, tried to change it, that uh, you know boys were home at a reasonable hour. Yeah. It, when you won the, the minor championship, James, was it always a dream of yours to play with Down? Always a dream to get to the senior team? Always a dream to actually just represent Down? It had to be, was it? Yeah, look, growing up, um, my father was the manager of Down uh, whenever I was in my young teenage years, and I would have been going the Down training sessions and kicking the ball out to Mickey Linton and Brendan Mason and Greg Blaney and Paddy O'Rourke and all these guys that obviously you went on to be team, teammates with later on. But look, I, I was a little bit very early on and I suppose, you know, with success at school, you know, I was actually brought into the panel and I was at boarding school in St. Cummins and had to come up to Slim goalkeeper at the time I had to come up to some Cummins and, and take me out of boarding school and leave me back later on. So I, I was getting introduced to the senior setup at a very at a very young age, you know. Was the the, the Coleman singer and I didn't Marsden, McGrain, Benny Tierney, did they all go to that school as well? Like I used to have this idea how would the, would the Armagh fellas be actually in school? But where was Newry, where it is based, a lot of the uh, Armagh lads would have been playing with, alongside you, you'd have known them well. Were they around the same time as you or were they later? Yeah, well, look, we, yeah, Benny was, was our goalkeeper in the Hogan Cup year. Uh, yeah, Paul McGrain was a, a wee bit younger, wouldn't have played in the same team as him. But yeah, like, so Coleman's would be like Brennan's or down in Killarney or whatever. It would be a huge, you know, the Abbey as well, nearly both big football and schools trying to produce half, half usually of Armagh and half usually of Down. And uh, both, you know, and it was good to get in and see, you know, the, the best players in Armagh and see what, what they were up to. Jamie Morrison went to school as well. So, look, there was a lot of good players came through St. Coleman's College. When you went up to, I presume you went up to, to Queen's then and you were above in Sigerson and I suppose you got free from the shackles of home life, James, and you enjoyed college a little bit more. Did you enjoy the little bit of freedom socially above in Belfast? It's a good town. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was there was no mobile phones back in those days, Tomas. Whenever you disappeared down into the bowels of Belfast, <laughs> nobody knew what you were doing. <laughs> and the football, I know, no matter where we go, football brings us together. But I, I I'm involved with UCC and the Sigerson, and I, I can't. I'm, I'd say people are sick of listening to me in terms of the time I have. And I know you coached um, Queens after, and you coached them. Is this right? You coached them four years in a row. You got to four fi or four finals. And it was the last one that you actually got over the line on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the last one, Aidan O'Rourke came in the final year. And to be honest, I have to give him huge credit for just changing and tinkering a wee bit with bits and pieces. And we got over the, the, the final year, four finals in a row. I think might have been extra time in one of them. It was extra time actually in the fourth one. We were playing Jordanstown. Biggest rivals, obviously, two Belfast teams. The final in Belfast went the extra time. So, yeah, look, I was interviewed after it, and uh, I was asked uh, by, by the interviewee, he said, what does it mean to win the Sigerson? And I said, it means I can leave. And, I, <laughs> and put my head in my hands and run away. <laughs> and you won two as a player as well, James. Who would have been, I mean, Ulster football, when I was growing up that time, and it was when you were kind of starting as a senior as well. Ulster football was dominant. Who else would you have crossed paths with? And was there any kind of rivalry for, for whatever reason? I think Ulster football, Railway Cup, for example, they used to be able to unite and come together a lot better than, say, us and Cork lads. Are. I just found it easier. You had something up there that there was this kind of united thing. Who would have been playing with you on that, um, on that Sigerson team that you won when you were playing? Yeah, well, you had Kieran McGinney, uh, Joe Brawley, uh, 
Fergal Logan, uh, or Brian Burns down fullback. The list, God, you put me on the spot trying to name all these. Paul Brewster for Mana. Yeah, the, the two universities would have uh, brought a lot of those players together. So then you're right, when we had to play a real big cup, we all, Anthony Tohal was my deal. And when we went to play, uh, as you say, Real Bay Cup, like we, we, we knew each other, you know? Jesus Christ, how did Brolly and then McGinney get on? <laughs> Joe gets on with everybody, as you know. Joe, Joe's, one, Joe's one of them guys that just enjoys the argument. Joe can get up one morning and go to the shop, and the man could say to him, Sean Cavan is the worst footballer in the in the country, and he would say, "No, he's not. He's the best footballer in the country." And he'd argue with him. He could go down to the same shop the next day, and somebody could say, "You know, the exact opposite," and he would have the opposite argument just because he enjoys the jostle. He enjoys he just getting the entertainment. The one thing I'll say, the the one thing about uh, Joe that people don't understand, uh, Pete, Joe says things sometimes that people are hurt by, but you don't have you have to understand. That he wouldn't be hurt by them, those things that they were said about him, and that's the rule. That's why he feels he can't understand why everybody else gets hurt. It was it's water off a duck's back to him, but he can't understand why other people are upset because it would it wouldn't upset him. Oh, he's he's deadly. He's uh, he has an uncanny ability to instigate stuff just for a bit of fun, a bit of fun, and he mightn't agree or disagree with what's happening. Uh, what was I going to say, James? What <laughs> for you when you got your first when you got your first call up? To the down seniors. Uh, de- uh, well, let me think. Nineteen. Nineteen. And in that minor team, was it? Was there a lot of expectation after he won that minor team? Pa- Keelty, Patrick Keelty was a, um, a fairly good footballer as well. He, he played two or three years minor as well, James. Didn't he? He was on that team. Who, who was that? Patrick Keelty. He's gone on to huge things who since. Did you say, Thomas? Pat Keelty. Patrick Keeley. Patrick Keeley was in goals, uh, was our sub minor goalkeeper in 1987. And uh, yeah, he was, we used to nickname him Broken Wrists, but you can figure that way yourself. <laughs> Sorry, Patty, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, to say. Um, but that minor team, James, when you went on, like, was there an expectation then that something was going to happen? Because you mentioned the, the DJ Canes and the Mickey Lindens and the. Uh, the lads that had gone before ye, that young mix that came in, was that the kind of what gave them the kind of kickstarter, gave them the confidence, or gave them the kind of belief to go on and actually contest in Ireland? Look, certainly whenever I joined up with the Down Seniors, we weren't thinking about winning all Ireland's. It was trying to, to win the provincial championship matches and get to an Ulster final and try and win a, an Ulster final because it had been a long time since we'd won one of those. So, look, uh, no, we weren't thinking about all Ireland's in, in, in 1990 or 1991, certainly at the, at the start of the year. I think in, in 1991, we, we could well have been relegated in the National League as well. I'm not just sure about that stat. I think we might have been relegated in 94 as well. So, look, we seem to be, have this ability to win all Ireland's without showing any previous form. A bit of, you know, there was no evidence to suggest that we were going to do anything in 91 or 94. You were the first. Uh, Cork were after winning in 90. And there was a wave of Ulster, I suppose, dominance after it. And there was some brilliant teams. I was growing up and I used to love, I was mad into my football at the time. So that Cork team and that uh, Meat team, and then you had the Down lads coming on, and you had the Donegal lads, and you had the Derry lads. But up then, that time, James, Jesus Christ, the, the Ulster Championship must have been hell for leather every year. Like I'd say referees had a tough job. Like I was watching uh, during the lockdown, the 94, uh, that famous, you had Tommy Shukru. Jeez, I don't know how Tommy Shukru managed. He actually did quite a good job. But Ulster Championship was hard football, wasn't it? Look, I suppose it's, sometimes you have to get into Croke Park's a bonus. First down of the Ulster Championship. I said the bomber listen once, you know, that if he had to play in the Ulster Championship, he mightn't just have quite as many All-Irelands as he did win. And he, or he might have the same amount, but he might have had to work a wee bit harder. He turned around and he told me the cream always rises to the top, James. The cream always... And then the draw for the Ulster Championship came out and we had to go to the Healy Park against Tyrone, and then he, he said to me, do you know something, I think I understand now. <laughs> <laughs> when you, who did you have in the Ulster final that year? 
James? Uh, 91. Yeah. We had Donegal in the Ulster final 91. Uh, they were the Ulster, previous year's Ulster champions. And when they came down then, when they came down south, there was obviously that barrier to actually break through to a final. I know uh, Tyrone did it in 86 and Kerry beat them. But did you feel any pressure then when you came down and you had to play your semi-final and you had to play your final? Because there was hunger for a, an Ulster victory, no doubt. But that All-Ireland that year, but Jesus, it must have been the build-up, especially in down, you know, a team with the tradition it has. The build-up uh, that no, no pressure at all. We were playing Kerry. <laughs> no pressure at all. We were playing Kerry. He knew, he knew coming down, Asher. For fuck's sake, they're not going to beat us again. <laughs> there was no way. That was... That was a... then we probably felt that with, with something to lose, you know. Oh, and ninety-one going against Kerry, we probably felt with not, nothing to lose. And to be honest, it was it was a an honour to get on the field with the likes of Jack O'Shea and some of the Pat's plan and these guys that you've been watching for the last 10, 12, 15 years. So that was a special day. It probably wasn't a great game, but it was a, spe a special day for the likes, of, for, especially for the likes of me. I had I had to endure five weeks in Australia with Jacko the previous year. So uh, I was glad, or, or sorry, uh, yeah, previous year. So I was glad to get one over him. I got his jersey after the match. <laughs> that was on the Aussie rules, was it? Yeah, yeah. We, we, I had five, I roomed with Jacko for five weeks. You were supposed to change uh, partners in your room every week or so. But uh, Jacko, uh, I think I was the fountain of youth for him. Uh, and he requested from uh, that the management that I'd be allowed to stay with him. He gave me a good education. Now he brought me to a lot of places that I'd never been before. <laughs> well, to be quite honest with you, James, I was out there in two thousand and five, and you brought me. We met up one night out there, out of the blue. It was a great night. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and you brought me to a lot of places I'd never been either. And I suppose you were just <laughs> passing on what Jacko had taught you. <laughs> it's just, it's just a matter of giving it on. <laughs> 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 That's how we do things around here. Uh, come here, when you won it in yeah. 91, uh, the, the, the competition up in Ulster, obviously, 92, Donegal came, and 93, and then 94. When you look back at games, and they're always the big one is, and geez, the dairy one, I was looking at it just for today, I said I'd watch it again. And what jumps out at me, tough football, yeah, but Jesus Christ, the quality. Greg McCartan, the balls he was putting into Mickey Linden, the actual just constant up and down the pitch not nothing going laterally like it must have been the fact that it was knockout like was that when you look back at games you get nostalgic at all james you say oh yeah that's one i really enjoyed or do you say nah it was another game there's plenty of games like that do you remember that game in particular in 94. well look i suppose we're up here and down we'll probably have that dairy uh down game we're now and that 94 game we're, we're in overdosed in it at this stage it's been on that many reruns and things like that so there's been plenty of opportunity to look at it probably looking back at it the game's obviously very different uh the, 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 the lateral stuff was very little of that as you could see it was every man for himself it was uh you know you're against your direct marker and and the idea was to get the ball move forward and the Downs idea, and it certainly hasn't changed for me with Down Miners, is to move the ball as quickly as possible into the forward line uh, and to the advantage of the And that's uh, Greg Blaney, Mickey Linton, you know, they talked about the telepathic uh, relationship they had. And, and look, yeah, we tried to get the ball moved quickly into the forwards to give Mickey and, and the rest of us, uh, hopefully, against the least number of defenders. Yeah, there was, like, you have to, the one thing jumps out at me, like, Every team and uh, would be hard, tough, physical. But you don't. If you don't have the forwards, you're not going to win. And with you, you had yourself. You had Greg Blaney on the forty, but Linden inside. Jesus Christ, as a cornerback, if you saw him coming at you, he was endless. Jeez, he was aggressive. He was strong. Any ball. What was? How long was he on the downs or in the down setup game before you came in? He was. He was obviously a fellow you looked up to, or a fellow that you admired before you even even came near. The senior setup was he? Yeah, look, Mickey's unique. He's still playing club football, maybe for the bees. He's fifty-four years of age, fifty-five years of age. He always kept himself in superb nick. Uh, you know, in '94, he was the best player in the country. The performances were there. He was 
unbelievably fit. He, he, he trained the right way for him. He probably didn't do all the tough training that uh, the, the rest of us who needed to lose a bit of beef or something up the mountain. Mickey always trained high quality, never had to lose any weight and, and ended up playing football at county level for 20 odd, odd years. He was, he was the true professional, absolutely on and off the field and an, an absolute gentleman to go along with. Was uh, I suppose you've seen it both sides, James, right? And this is not, this isn't just talking about fun and all that. But do you see that the balance? What do you think of the balance nowadays for players? Like you saw it as a manager when you came in in two thousand nine, and what the players actually go through. But when you were playing, the winter was a small bit longer, and you know you were given that little bit of free time. You weren't expected to be, have the arse off you until around March, April. But once championship came around. That's when you needed to be right. Do you think the balance is a small bit, or is it just that the culture has changed the way it's going to be like? The bit of fun, the bit of devilment, the bit of fellas telling lies coming into training on a Tuesday night where they were on Sunday night or whatever, that that's kind of dying out of the game. Maybe for the good. Yeah, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, nearly for six months of the year, whenever I was playing, you could and do what you wanted as long as you turned up the training and uh, the other nights you could you could do what you, you wanted but now yeah it's more it's more like 52 weeks a year the boys are all looking after themselves whenever i was uh, the senior in the county management I, I i would have encouraged the lads to go out together and have a night out after a good win and 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 i felt that camaraderie you know is missing so i i would have tried to i'm not I'm not saying I took a case of beer into the dressing room or anything like that, but I certainly like after a match and you 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 played hard together and you've won a victory. Like I think you're entitled to to enjoy yourself. Back in the '90s, you know, whenever we were winning, it was it was a bit like this. You won your championship match or or lost it, but if you won your championship match, you had your night out, and that was it until four weeks until the next championship match. And you, and the, every championship match, you, you were you had a night out and had and but it was important to have that night out together camaraderie stick together not not hiding away to the four winds of county down not hiding away so nobody could see you enjoying yourself i wanted the players to be together and enjoy themselves as one and you were still throughout that time between 91 and 94 james you were still in, in university at the time were you you were in college like you were a young fella you were just going through college life at the time at the same time you were winning yeah yeah university and i think i just left in 94 left First in ninety three, so it was there when I won the Ireland in ninety one. Ninety four, James, was it was it am I right in this? I might be totally wrong, no, it might have been another team. Were ye was it at the start of the year and very often uh, I remember two thousand nine people thought Kerry were in total disarray. They thought that we were absolutely arguing with each other inside, they thought that we were having fights, that we weren't talking to Jack O'Connor, blah blah. Um, was there a time at the start? Was was uh, was there a couple of players missing? At, was DJ Kane missing at the start of the year? Was there a, a time where you look kind of unorganised, as the man says? You're laughing away there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, DJ was captain of the team, and uh, missing from the panel was Greg Blaney and James McCartan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I thought there was a couple, but I wasn't sure it was you. Yeah, was, yeah, we took a took a wee sabbatical for a few weeks. Uh, just uh, we, <laughs> Pete had made a few decisions and we didn't didn't weren't in agreement with a lot of them. So uh, or some of them anyway. So look, I took a wee break. I to be honest, uh, I wasn't playing that well at the time either, and uh, I stepped away. But DJ was instrumental in uh, sort of uh, sorting the whole thing out. Uh, DJ would have been a controversial pick. For captain, but it was a very shrewd move in that they would be related uh, to both myself and Greg in a far out way. So he was able to to reel us back in whenever he wanted. That I heard that you're uh, in some relation to uh, to Greg Blaney and DJ Kane and the great Sean O'Neill. There's related your he fingers on a lot of pies up there, James. Must all the, the grand the parents and the grandparents must all went to the same dance halls or something. I'm not just sure what way that worked out. <laughs> was that was ninety four sweeter as a result, James? Do you know, I suppose whenever you actually did come together and you got on that role, like was you see the organisation that goes into it now and the preparation and everything. But did some was there some performance that year and you said 
fuck it, if we build on this, lads, there's something there again. Look, I suppose it's, it's in the first round in 91, it was a terrible game. And, and the famous statements up here is that you wouldn't pick a team out of the two teams. But then with a, uh, two games against Derry that were... Derry put us to the pin of our collar. There's actually an interesting story about that one in the Ulster semi-final against Derry after the replay. And in the first game, Greg Blaney got sent off. So Greg wasn't going to be available for us the week later uh, for the replay. So we had to concoct the story that Greg was also part of the hurling panel. And the hurlers had a game, down hurlers had a game the next week. So Greg had to go with the hurlers. So the football game was put back a week. And Greg was available for us for the for the replay, and I suppose the rest is history. So, look, if you're asking me which game, probably the, the game against Donegal in the Ulster final. Uh, I thought at times we played excellent football, champagne football, and that probably gave us a, a wee bit of belief, you know, that uh, because it had been a while from down and performed in Clonus. So, look, that the Ulster final certainly, but the hard fought games against Derry put us on the right path too. Was it tough? Jen, I'm not going to spend too, lo too long a time talking about it. But 1994, and you're a young fellow, only 23 years of age, did you think then that you'd go the rest of your career where, yeah, you'd get to a couple of finals, but you wouldn't win like you had won? Or did you think at 23, fuck it, it's going to be some crack for the rest of my career here or no? Yeah, yeah. I tongue-in-cheek, whenever I was with the, the seniors, or, or even when I started with the minors, you know, I tongue and cheek try try to bring them back down to earth regularly. But by the time I was twenty three, a couple of all stars, a couple of all Irelands, and uh, I, I I tongue and cheek turned around to people and say, "How many all stars did Pat Spillane get?" And I was just trying to figure how long it was going to take me to get to that number, but uh, it didn't just work out that way. <laughs> Never know. Spillane got a fair few, didn't he? Um, but then, if I had him playing in the Monster Championship, I might have got a few more. <laughs> You probably would. You probably would. I always, I always stop arguing with Ulster lads when they say you have it easy down there, and I'm trying to make an argument that Cork are a tough battle, and I just stop. I've stopped. I've given up. I've given up. That's Brolly that taught me. Just give it up. Give up while you're ahead. When we are afterwards, James, did you know when it other sports as well in the middle of it actually? Because I was talking to a buddy of yours, and you you threw your hands at all sorts of sports. I know you played the Aussie rules. Um, but you played rugby. Did you play rugby for a while? Ah, uh, no. Look, I would have turned up for a couple of, you know, just friendly games and messed about up at Queen's. So, no, I wouldn't really have played rugby that I competitive. I played a, played a bit of soccer, I suppose. I actually pl played in the in the Cup Winners' Cup uh, in 1996 or something like that against Legio Warsaw. I tell people that I was marking the Polish captain and he was sold for £6 million that year. And I was getting paid £6. The joys of that. And um, after that, James, when did you think, or was it just, you obviously, um, I'm trying to think here now, there was, this is outside of the Aussie rules, but was there an Australian rules Irish team that you played for, that played full on Aussie rules? No, 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 no. I, I played for, uh, sorry, I played for uh, an Ireland team that went over to England, uh, to play in, a, in an Aussie rules competition now, uh, it was, we, yeah, we, I think we won it actually, but uh, I wouldn't say that the standard was marvellous. I, 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 I looked like the best player, but it wouldn't have been hard. <laughs> and those, those Aussie rules trips, James, did you enjoy, like you had a brilliant time, obviously, right, with the down lads. Did you enjoy mixing with the with the rest of the lads around the country? A trip to us, us like I went there myself, I must say, I... I I fucking hated the Tyrone lads before I went on that trip. And I actually came home, great buddies with them, still in contact with them and all that. Uh, but it, it was a lesson for me. Like, we, we, we grow up and we, we, we don't spend enough time in each other's pockets or in, in, in each other's company to actually know that they're the same as us. You know, we, we grew up hating these fellas because we hated them on the pitch. But it's completely different when you're in a different environment. Did you enjoy those all-star trips and uh, the Aussie rules trips? Yeah, look, my greatest experiences playing Gaelic football aren't winning medals or winning cups. It's the it was the trips away and the experiences and the meeting the players. Look, uh, I we I was devastated in ninety one and ninety four. There was no all star trips, and uh, that was been a, a better prize than a Sam McGuire medal. Uh, I got on an all star trip in nineteen ninety, and, and uh, 
to, to Toronto in the Skydome and thoroughly enjoyed that. Our trip to Australia for the international rules was way back when the, it was five and a half weeks long. We had three tests and a warm-up game. So we got to know each other very, very well. Look, as I say, the greatest experiences of, 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 of my football career were meeting the, the trips away. Even that trip I had with you to us there a couple of years ago, you probably don't remember much about it, but we had a great time in New York. And look, I... I, it's, it's, it's those things that I cherish more than, than, uh, than, than the medals. I don't even know what the, the medals are. And, and like, as you said about the throne guys, like I, on that trip a couple of years ago to New York, uh, up at Rockland, like, first time I really met Muggsy and, the, and a few of the throne boys. And, and like, I had an absolute ball. And I find that with the GA boys, you just click, even people you haven't, you've never met before, you can just completely relax in their company and the, the crack just starts. And the abuse, the same way we're having a bit of a crack and a bit of abuse here, it just starts straight away and you feel as if you've known each other for a lifetime. Yeah, it, it's, Jesus, it, it is like, I, I always hold like, you can't, go on holding grudges or whatever or, or have this and that like I, I those trips the Aussie rules trips in particular I, I geez I totally enjoyed it I remember that night we had and we came home and the sun was shining and not only was it shining James but it was shining high in the sky as well which is the worst the aborigines would have told us it was midday when we when we got home from that night out but uh, I totally enjoyed it yeah. uh, what was it going to say uh, how did you get into the management side or was it something that you said after you had finished off playing Christ, I'm going to get into management. Management, I, I, I like. Or were you actually drawn in? Oh, that's James McCartney. He's finished football. We'll get him in here. Or did you really love it? I got, I got roped in. I was, I've been asked for a few years to get involved with Queen's Freshers. And I'd always said, no, I didn't have the time when I was because I was playing senior inter-county football. So then Pete did, did me the decent honour and he dropped me. And uh, so I couldn't use that excuse. And the present now down chairman, uh, Jack Devaney, he asked me and he said, now you said you couldn't do it because you were training with the seniors, you're not. So I got involved with uh, Queen's Freshers. We won the All-Ireland that year. And then I got asked back to take over the seniors. And then, as I say, the seniors was uh, four final, finals in a row. So I probably got sort of roped in uh, because I couldn't use the argument that I was playing anymore. So I've Pete McGrath in a roundabout way to thank for getting into management as well. Yeah, was it a say when the the down senior job came along, James? Was that say I suppose looking at your own family and looking at what they achieved and what they had given down football? Was it a huge honour for you and the family that you were back? And your your brother Dan was playing. Was was is there is there another brother Owen? Is he, is he still involved as well? Yeah, Owen wouldn't have been involved in 2010. He would have played after that. He had a serious injury and probably he couldn't train that hard. He, he, he had cruciate problems and, and cartridge problems. So he would have played uh, maybe 012 and 013. So he, he wasn't there in 010. So yeah, like I was there. It was probably strange having, having two brothers on, on the panel. But look, they were treated the same as everybody else. And, uh, and you know, he, I'd like to think that they were treated fairly. Sometimes I think they were treated maybe uh, got the raw end of the deal because Daniel was dropped for a couple of, uh, of challenging matches in, in Croke Park and uh, the rest of the management team told me that uh, I was unfair, that I should, I, I, he should have been playing. So he maybe got the raw end of the deal because he's my brother. <laughs> I know, I know how you feel. Was that, that year you got the run in 2010, have you any regrets? Like, I mean, uh, and I'm not saying that in any nasty way now, but... Looking back on it, do you think the final, any, it, it's the games you lost that you'd have to look back on and just say, that's one we fucking could have done better in, or that's one we left after us, or that's one, do you know what, we were beaten fair and square, we have no bones about it. <coughs> look, it was a good Cork team that had been banging on the door for a long time. Uh, they probably, they fell over the line a wee bit, but that doesn't still doesn't mean they weren't deserving of the, of the All-Ireland. Uh, Look, as a manager and as a management team, you know, the, the, I think I was quoted recently saying that the, the, the good performances of that year are fading away, but the result of the final still in bold capitals that is large in the head. Yes, there's there's things along the line that uh, I would I would if I were to do it all again, I would I'd do differently. I think Cork maybe made uh, maybe changed their two midfielders at halftime, bringing on Graham Canty and and so uh, and and. 
I didn't do. I didn't make. We didn't make any changes around around the middle. So they had two fresh men coming in. So yeah, there, there's things that if I had to do it all over again, I think I think we would I would do differently. But look, it was a brilliant a brilliant run, a brilliant year for us. Uh, some great performances against yourselves, Kerry. Obviously, Kerry, we're missing a couple of key men. Yourself and Paul Galvin were missing. But uh, look, I think we were good value on the day for that win. And and against Kildare, with another great day against Kildare and Croke Park. So look. I've, I was the manager that managed to keep the, the run against Kerry going, but I, I fucked up the Ireland stat. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. That's what you're saying there. You should have said what you did earlier there, James. Fucking blame the coaches. You fucking tried to make the right changes. They wouldn't listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to... I actually scored uh, Australia with Benny... Uh, Coulter and Jesus, what a player and what a lovely guy, a gent. But Jesus, a hard, a hard man on the pitch, James. He was a freaking, uh, an unbelievable footballer, wasn't he? Yeah, look, Benny was a, a freak. He, he uh, I remember in 2012, he basically hadn't trained. Uh, he was past fit the week, the last training session before an Ulster semi final against Monaghan. And I mean past fit. I don't, he didn't have done no training with the team was deemed that he was able, he was now fit to play. We brought him on on the Sunday against Monaghan. He had the ball over the bar within 30 seconds and we won the game. Look, his mental strength was massive. His talent was there for all to see. But I saw a man come on, come on that day that knew that he was going to win the game for Down, even though he hadn't trained in two months. Just a, a colossal, a colossal of the international rules. I, I, I'd say you could make an argument as, Ireland's best ever international rules player too. He just magnificent. It's just a pity that he didn't get the reward that he deserved of an Ireland medal because you know some people just you know it, it, well it shouldn't take away from the, the ability and, and the praise the man gets because he he was unreal. And look, don't get me wrong. In the early part of his career, he was a rogue, Tomas, and you know what a rogue is because he's all humped together. But seeing the latter part, whenever he was uh, playing for me, an absolute role model for all all, all the young guys. So, uh, look, he is, as I say, it was it was a pleasure to, to have had a chance to work with him. It's just a pity. Uh, he made his debut uh, for Down. He played minor and senior in the same day. I, I, both came on at half time against Antrim up in Caseman Park in, in 2000. So uh, I was there when he made his debut and I, and I was there when, he, there when he finished and it was a joy to watch. Uh, an unbelievable talent, an unbelievable footballer, yeah, and a great career. It is, it is a pity that he didn't crown it and go off inside with a with a Celtic cross. Um, James, what's what is the future for the down lads? Have you a good enough minor team? Is the future bright up there? Is there a lot of work being done at underage and all that? Are you happy with the way things are up there? Well, look, uh, this year probably we would think would be our. I guess maybe my fifth year. Uh, I think. We should it should be our strongest team personnel wise. Now whether we can break the, the stranglehold of uh, Donegal, Throne, and Derry winning uh, championships up here. It's, again, it's a long time from down. of have been in an Ulster final at minor level or one other thing. But look, we're hopeful that this year that we might be able to make a move. It's just strange because as a as a coach, uh, with not getting access to players, you're worried that you can have no influence over them. That uh, you know it's. I'm, I'm not going to say it's like a gather up, go out and pick the team and go and play, but, but we're just going to have a very small window to work with the players and uh, and and you know have an imprint of, of what we feel the way we feel they should work, they should be playing. But look, we're hopeful. Fingers crossed. We certainly have a strong, a strong group of a squad this year. Whether it's good enough to, to win Ulster Championship, fingers crossed. Do you, what do you think, James, of the of the um, of the senior championship? And I know it's a strange year. And look. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Hopefully, it'll go ahead. But what do you think of the knockout championship and it being played in November and December? Uh, do you think it doesn't matter well, when it's going to be fucking played? I suppose summer? if I had, a, I suppose if I did have a problem with the championship, and I, I think I'm right in saying that you know it's going to be week on week on week. And if you're again, this is to go back to the Ulster one. If you're playing in the preliminary round in Ulster, you'll have four games. To play to win an Ulster Championship before you go on into the the, the, the to, to Croke Park, while somebody you know, and this is not disrespectful to Munster or over in, in, in Connacht, 
they're going to boys are going to come in fresh against teams that have you know played four games in a row. I just again, it's the old uh, Ulster gripe that we we pull out every on an annual basis that uh, it's just not fair out there. <laughs> it isn't. I, I actually I would totally and utterly agree with you, and it's not only that either, James. But and it's no disrespect to the teams in Munster, but the quality up in Ulster is a lot higher than the, the quality down in, in even if there was nine teams on in Munster it still doesn't equate to what's going on above would you think or if you had it your own way do you think it was an opportunity missed by the GA by having an open draw and putting in the 31 or 32 counties and banging it out and having it that way and down could draw Galway or down could draw Kerry or Kerry could draw Donegal whatever As a short answer, yes, I think it was the it was the easiest. Almost look, we've been talking about doing it for years anyway, and then we could use. I don't want to say we could use COVID as an excuse, but certainly it was a chance to experiment with it. And if it didn't work, then you can revert back, you know, next year, the following year. But I felt it was a chance to do something different, and uh, we didn't do it. Obviously, the Ulster the provincial councils are all looking for their gates, and and uh, they want. You know they're trying to protect their income and etc. And I can understand that. I think going forward, you can you can still go for a knockout competition, uh, run in tandem with an Ulster Championship, and maybe a reward for for our provincial championship, and maybe a reward for somebody in the who wins a provincial championship. They can get jettisoned into the quarter final of another competition. I just think we could do the 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 All Ireland knockout series and a provincial one as well. So. So they, I feel you'd have less people fighting you from the the councils, the provincial councils, if they if they're able to retain the provincial championships. Yeah, I think you're dead right. I think I don't think they want to get rid of the provincial championships, and I think they have so much power that if they want it that way, they're not going to have it. James, uh, I, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to leave you. Um, I, I think the the McCartan name will live long in down history. All the All Irelands you've won involved with uh, I, I, the one thing I suppose I'll say after your own career and after going into management and after five years now with the minors uh, your your good wife is a patient woman even though the morning after I met her after spending the night in Australia I wouldn't have put her down as, as being a patient woman I'd say having to put up with you out in Australia but <laughs> I'll wish you the very best bye and thanks again um, I hope you go very well with the minors this year James and we'll cross paths again and Garamila Margaret, it's the last episode, and I went out in the high. I could, I could have talked to you all night, James, and we, we, we'll meet up and we'll have a good chat again down the road, bye. All right, so Garamila Margaret, and I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to Coral Etamos. Don't forget to subscribe and follow for more interviews.